Hello, my name is Joe. Welcome to The Joe Martino Show. Wherever you are listening to this, I hope that you are having a great day. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the things that I think drives so many people's buses. It causes so many people, well, it doesn't cause them. They react. They choose to to react in a way because of this thing that they don't actually ever achieve in life what they could achieve. They don't have the depth of relationships that they could have. They don't have the experiences that they could have because of this thing. Let's get started. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, let's get down to this. Let's talk about fear, right? That song, Let's Talk About Fear, Baby. Actually, that isn't the song. If you know what the song is, hopefully you're laughing right now. Let's talk about fear. I live in a small town. I go to a small gym. Uh, You tend to get to know people really well. When you live in a small town, you go to the same place, places regularly, you get to know people. There are, as an older group, at one of the gyms that I work out at, uh, same gym, just two different locations, there is... Uh, some older gentlemen early in the morning. One guy is retired. Last year when he found out I was writing a book, he was very interested. He had a bunch of questions that he wanted to ask me. And he would ask them, you know, why you're getting changed, why you're out the equipment. And I, I believe that they were all, you know, honest, genuine questions. I think they were coming from a place of sincerity. And then one day he asked me, he said, well, what what happens if you you don't you know, you don't. And he starts to, you know, kind of him and haul around a little bit. And I'm like, well, if I don't want. And he said, what happens if you fail? And then I kind of chuckled and I asked him, I said, well, what would failure look like? He said to me, well, you could put all this time and effort and money into it. And, and maybe nobody reads it. Maybe you fail. So I, I said to him, I said, well, isn't that true? Anytime you do something, you could fail. Anytime you create something, you could fail. Anytime you invite somebody to do something with you, you could fail, right? Like, isn't it true of anything that you could fail in life? And he kind of looked. He said, well, I guess. And then he said to me, look me straight in the eye, and he said, but that's why I don't do anything. I go to the gym twice a day, and I read and I watch hockey, but I don't deal with people, period. And I was just like, dude, that's got to be kind of a miserable life. I mean, I wouldn't do anything if the fear of failure was the criteria to stop. And then it was his turn to laugh, and he looked at me, and he chuckled, and he said, maybe. He said, but I don't go through that pain, which I guess is true. But, I mean, I I know enough about this guy's life to know that he's not overly happy. In fact, we've talked about that at other times. His own words, I'm not that happy. He's kind of known as the grumpy guy in the gym. Why? Because when we let fear drive the bus, we end up in places we don't want to go. In fact, I want to read you an excerpt from my book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. I want to read what I wrote a little, just a little bit about fear and when fear drives the bus. When the relationship revolves around guilt, shame, and fear, it will almost always go badly. Guilt, shame, and fear are insidiously dangerous because they give us a temporary feeling of control but ultimately rob us of any lasting direction. No matter the topic, no matter the issue, guilt, shame, and fear will always destroy. It will always rob us of everything. Think about people who might be afraid of conflict. How would this play out in a relationship? Will acting out of this fear of conflict actually improve the relationship, or will it hurt and ultimately destroy the relationship? 
In the beginning, the relationship will have a small and inaccurate feeling of control. Of course, the feelings creating the conflict are not going to go away. The couple is still going to feel frustration and anger. They are still going to feel the stress of possibly not being connected. When these feelings come, they aren't going to engage in them because they would lead to conflict, which is what they are avoiding because of fear. So the idea, the, so they avoid the idea of actually disagreeing and getting into a conflict. At first, this feels wonderful. Well, that's not true. It feels better than the monster that fear has been made out of conflict. Whoa, let me reread that. It feels better than the monster that fear has made out of conflict. This is what fear does. It creates monsters. It doesn't usually exist in the moment, but typically look forward to what could happen. In this scenario, it looks forward to what the conflict will become. It looks forward to all the things the other person is going to say. It looks forward to all, toward all of the hurt that will come from actually engaging in conflict. Over time, this monster grows. It becomes something of mythical proportions. It becomes insurmountable. The relationship must die in the face of this all-consuming monster that only exists because of fear. That's pages 113 and 114 from the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple, which is available uh, wherever books are sold. You can get it on Amazon uh, through the Kindle store. You can get it delivered to your house. If you contact us, we can send you a signed copy for a small fee. Huh? Fear, when it runs the bus, leads to destruction every time. Now, there's a lot of different types of fear. Uh, as I mentioned in the book, there's the fear of conflict. There's the fear of failure. There's the fear of people judging you. I see this all the time with parents. The fear that people are judging how they parent. Maybe because they're judging people. I don't know. Maybe they grew up in a judgy house. I don't know. There's the fear that you're going to screw your kids up so insurmountably that, that if you just you mess it up, they're going to be ruined. There's the fear that if you actually are vulnerable and actually get in a relationship, you will end up in some sort of misery. And here's the wretched truth about fear. Some fear is good. In the right dose, fear can be good. It can be helpful, beneficial. It can be uh, life-saving, right? I want my kids to have a healthy fear of the electric fence that goes around our horse pasture. I want... My daughter to have, actually all my kids, but my oldest daughter's uh, starting to drive. I want her to have a healthy fear about what could happen in a car if she doesn't treat it right. Uh, when it comes to kitchen utensils, the stove, electricity, we want to have a proper fear. The problem is most of us run our lives with an improper fear. The idea that we could mess up our kids is true. I see it a lot. I see parents that under-engage their children for 18 years and then they wonder why they have adults that aren't very productive. I see parents that over-engage their children and then they wonder why they have adults or, or children that, are, that have issues because they haven't engaged them properly. But most of the time they haven't engaged them properly because they've gone after their own fear, right? So the parent that's afraid they're going to raise hoodlums, they over-engage. They try to control everything. They're in their kid's face all the time. They're constantly criticizing. The parent that just doesn't care, that's selfish, they under-engage, right? They just whatever, whatever, whatever. They don't enforce consequences because they want their kid to like them. They're afraid that their kid will be mad at them and they want to be buddies. So they under-engage. They don't discipline. They don't direct. They don't teach. And what happens is 
as they engage or as they over-engage or under-engage, they're actually soothing their own fear. People stay in jobs that they hate, not because they couldn't do something else. Now, they'll give you great sob stories. Well, I've got kids to feed. I've got blah, blah, blah. But they're afraid and they don't do it. I talk to people all the time. They'd start a business if somebody just gave them $350,000. Oh, well, la-di-dee, la-di-da. That's fear. Do you need $350,000 start? I'm sure it would be helpful, but you don't. I'd go back to school, but it's hard. Oh, so you're afraid of hard. No, I'm not afraid of hard. Obviously you are. I'd go back to school, but it's too hard. I'd go get a different job, but it's too difficult. I'd ask that girl out, but she might hurt me. You know what the truth is about relationships? My friend Jason Holdridge says this. Anytime you're in a relationship, to love something is to invite pain. I think about this. We put our dog down last Christmas, and it was awful. Awful. I mean, just terrible. And as Christmas comes closer, I think about it. And it's a painful memory. In just a few days, a good friend of our family's wedding anniversary, one-year wedding anniversary is going to come. And what that would normally be a cause for celebration, it's actually a very painful realization because she passed away this past April. Her funeral was April 9th. As I think of her one-year wedding anniversary approaching, I have grief. My sister sent me a Snapchat last night of a piano and in the piano, or of just of the piano keys, and she wrote that while she uh, plays, it soothes her and at the same time, it brings a different level of grief because our mom, it was she was just bent on all of us kids learning how to play the piano. My sister's the one that really kind of embraced that and took off with it. But my mom's been gone 16 years when my sister was 15 or 16. I mean, think about it. Let's just say that, if okay, well, I'm not going to ask this person. I'm not going to get involved in a relationship because it might hurt me. That person might do something that hurt me. I guarantee you they will because even if it goes well and they never, ever do anything that hurts you. My wife and I are coming up on 20 years. And let's just say my wife never does anything that hurts me. And those has never done anything that hurt me in those 20 years. In the next 40 years, she never does anything that hurts me. If she dies before me, it hurts. If I die before her, it hurts. Fear is what says, yeah, but they could hurt you. See, fear gets stuck, not in the moment, but it gets stuck in what could happen or what did happen. Right? If it's stuck in what what did happen, the fear is, well, it'll repeat itself. We'll have fail, we'll have failure again. We'll have hurt again. We'll have pain again. I used to, I, I used to really be run by fear when it came to starting something new. By nature, I don't think any of us like change. Uh, I tried my hand at a few businesses, at some leadership roles, and some I was good at, some I wasn't. And the things that drove me were the ones that I wasn't. I don't want to repeat those. But rather than saying I don't want to repeat the mistakes that I made, I didn't want to repeat the pain. I didn't want to repeat the risk of the pain. I was focused too much in the past. Then there's another type of fear, and that fear is the fair fear of what could happen in the future. I see this all the time in the room. Well, if I make this change, what if my spouse doesn't? That's a fear. If I reach out to my adult parent, right, as an adult child, and they reject me, that could be pain. That's another fear. If I reach out to try to get this job, they might not accept me. That's a fear. I might get this next job and not like it. That's a fear. I might break up with this toxic person that I'm in relationship with, and I might end up alone. That's a fear. 
It's always a fear about the future. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so if you're going to overcome fear, one of the things you have to look at is you, you can't ignore the, what, the negative what ifs, but what about the positive what ifs? How do you embrace those? How might taking this risk that you're talking about and, the, and overcoming the fear that's in it, how might it change your life? How might it help you engage in your mission? We talked about that in episode 30. Having a life mission, having a purpose. When my wife and I moved here to Michigan, so many people told us we were crazy. I actually had one older adult tell me just point blank, Joe, you're stupid. People don't move to Michigan in 2007. And yet here we are. And moving here changed our lives. We knew how moving here fit into our overall mission. And even then, I recognized that we could fail, that it could all fall apart. And it didn't mean that we did the wrong thing. One of the things that I hate, I, I hate this question. And I, you know, you go to you go to where people are doing speaking engagements, uh, seminars, and self-help things, and you'll hear people say, just get on YouTube. You'll see it in like nine different videos. What would it matter? What would you do if you couldn't fail? That's stupid. That's that that might be the second dumbest question I ever heard. I think a much better question would be: what would you do? if failing didn't matter and wouldn't stop you. Because one of the things that I realized a number of years ago is everybody that I respect throughout history that did things, they failed. They failed, they failed, they failed until they succeeded. I I think a couple things are happening in our society. One, as a society, we are addicted to all or nothing thinking. We're addicted to zero-sum thinking. So if I fail, then I'm a failure. The whole thing sucks. And if I succeed, then I'm the greatest thing ever, blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. It's complicated. People are messy. People don't always make sense. People do things one day that make sense, and the next minute they don't. That's the thing about parenting. So many people parent to their fear rather than parenting to principles that they lose sight of the objective, which is to raise adults. And so their fear runs them. It, it, it invites danger Right? Having kids is dangerous. It's scary. I don't know how my kids are going to turn out. I hope they turn out well. I hope and pray that they turn into functioning, productive adults that do something that matters, that move the needle in this world a little bit. But I don't know that they will. I can't live mistake-free. I can't. I, I can't parent mistake-free. Two weeks ago, something came up with one of my daughters. I look back now, and I think it went pretty well, that I handled it pretty well. But At the time, I kept thinking of all these different ways that I could handle it. And trust me, if I were to bring my daughters in here and sit them down in front of this mic, they could tell you about a host of ways that I've done things that I could have done them differently. The trick is, do I go make it right? Do I go apologize? Do I say, hey, I could have done that better. Here's how I could have done it better. Here's what I'll do in the future to do it better. If the fear of failure, if the fear of of, of judgment, if the fear of how things are going to turn out is driving you, the only choice you have is to sit in your room. But here's my question. Why doesn't that scare you? Why doesn't it scare you to just sit in your room and hide? How do you know that's going to turn out all right? How do you know that's going to keep you from pain? The data wouldn't suggest that. And so when you start to embrace the fact that you can fail and it's okay, you start to get movement in your life. When you start to embrace the fact that it doesn't matter if people are judging you, you start to do things. Now, you can still listen to what they have to say, right? One of the things I tell people all the time, you want to start a business, that's great. Uh, There's just an article, I think in Barron's a few weeks ago, that talked about how everybody cheers you on when you're going from, hey, I'm not in a good place, so I'm going to get to a good place until you get there, right? When you go to grad school and and you find other people of a like mind, they're going to cheer you on when they hear about your dream. 
until your dream becomes reality. When you're single and you're sitting around with your single friends and you're talking about how someday you're going to have this relationship, they're going to cheer you on until someday you have the audacity to say, hey, I have a good relationship. I have a relationship that I love, that I'm excited about, that I put a lot of work in. Then suddenly they get judgy. They, they snicker. They talk behind your back. They have snide comments. I hear about this all the time from people. I saw a funny meme the other day. It said, when you're in your 20s, you worry about what other people think about you. When you're in your 40s, you worry about what you think of other people. And when you're in your 60s, oh, nope, I said it wrong. When you're in your 20s, you worry about what other people think about you. When you're in your 40s, you don't care what they think about you. And when you're in your 60s, you realize they weren't thinking about you at all. I think this is probably more true than we would ever like to think. Most people that you know don't give what you're doing on a daily basis more than a passing thought. But I am telling you, if you want to do something, if you want to start something, if you want to push something, if you want to be better, if you want to move, you're going to have to accept the fact that people are going to judge you. If you want to have kids, people are going to judge how you do it. And it's okay. I co-sleep. My son sleeps in our bed. My daughter's slept in our bed before him. And people are like, what? And it used to bug me. It did. I I, I needed to mature and realize it doesn't matter. I have strong opinions that are not pro-crib. In fact, I'm anti-crib. People get upset about that. They feel like I'm judging them. And I have to tell them, I'm not judging you. I'm judging the crib. If you want to use it, that's your business. This is my opinion. It's my thought, right? I've had people tell me that they're just waiting for me to fail. Literally, people have told me that. Just wait. Just wait till your kids are toddlers. And then when I'm like, well, they're toddlers and I actually really like being a parent. Well, just wait till they're tweens. Well, they're tweens and I actually really like being a parent. Well, just wait till they're teens. And well, they're teens and I actually like being a parent. Well, just wait till they're in their 20s. I don't have any in their 20s yet, so I don't know. Okay, so how do we overcome this? I think everybody relates to the idea of fear. Everybody relates to the idea that fear often runs the bus for us. How do we overcome it? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to find some time today and I want you to write out what am I not doing because I'm afraid of how it might turn out. Just make a list. Get five or 10 things. If there isn't five or 10 things, I guess you could change the question to what am I not doing that I would like to do? Because then the question would be, well, if you're not doing this, but you would like to do it, why are you not doing it? And I'm willing to bet the more questions you ask, the the, the more likely you'll end up near fear. If you heard that bump, that is me accidentally hitting my mic with my hand because I'm Italian. And when I talk, I move my hands. And even when I'm making this podcast, my hands are moving. But the more you ask questions about what you're not doing that you would like to do, I'm going to guess the more likely you are to end up near fear as a reason. So then the question becomes, what's one small step you could do for that? Right? I have a friend whose son joined the army. Uh, and, and another friend that I don't know said to them, well, aren't, aren't you going to talk him out of it? Aren't you afraid he's going to die? And my friend, I believe very astutely said, well, he could die driving in his car. Certainly there's a risk there and a danger there. But, but when you talk, start talking about meaning, this is something that my son feels like he's called to do. This is how he's going. He's, he is pursuing meaning in his life. Now, you may not be called to pursue meaning in your life that way, but it would be terrible if he let fear overcome that. Maybe you need to reconcile with someone. Maybe you need to forgive an ex. Not necessarily reconcile, but forgive. And maybe you're afraid. What is a small step that you could take to move towards forgiveness or move towards reconciliation? I think one of the things that is, that is, that is driving our country, we talked earlier about we're addicted to 100% zero, we're afraid of hard, and we catastrophize everything. Because as a society, we're addicted to this 100% zero, 
We catastrophize everything. If you don't believe me, just look at the political divide. This is not the first time in history that the two parties have been divided. It's unfortunately not the first time that both parties have used that division as an excuse for violence. But every time that it's happened, it's been because the parties were afraid. And most fear is trumped up. In fact, I'd argue that a lot of our news cycle is designed to cause you fear. A couple of years ago, probably, I don't know, eight or ten now, it was all about the shark attacks. Shark attacks, shark attacks, shark attacks, shark attacks. Uh, we lived near the beach, so it had to be over 10 years ago. We lived near the beach at the time. And all these shark attacks, sharks are eating people. And when you go and look at the data for the year, uh, the shark attacks were actually down by 25% over the whole course of the year. The same risk was there the year before, the year after. But there was people who were profiting off of selling fear. So sometimes people are profiting off of selling us fear. And that keeps us from taking those little steps to move towards forgiveness, to move towards reconciliation, to going on a vacation, to pursuing another job, to pursuing another career, to pursuing an education, from taking a class just because we want to to better ourselves, from reaching out to someone and saying, hey, would you like to come over for dinner? Could we meet somewhere for dinner? Could we get a cup of coffee? Just do small things. If you're afraid, just do small things. Just, just go as far as you can. And then go a little farther. That's the key. Go as far as you can and then just go a little further. And then a little further and a little further and a little further until you're at your goal. Ignoring the people who profit off of selling you fear. That's the hard part. Ignore the people who sell you, who profit off of selling you fear. And sometimes we have to accept the fact that the people who profit off of selling us fear, they're not the media. Sometimes it's the media, but sometimes it's just other people who have the same fear. And if you overcome it, you're taking away one of their excuses, one of their justifications, right? So if you lean into trying something, suddenly they have less of an excuse. They can't look at you and say, oh, well, well, you know, she's doing it too. We take away their excuses. And sometimes that's scary for them. And so they profit by us staying afraid because then they have a built-in excuse in their ecosystem. Okay, so three quick steps to starting to overcome fear. You start out with that list. What would I be doing if I wasn't afraid? Asking yourself what I'm afraid of and then doing something small to move into that fear, to force yourself to feel that fear. What happens as you do this is you start to inoculate yourself against it. You start to anesthetize yourself against it and you start to lessen the fear. The more you do something, the less scary it is because the more comfortable you are with it. And so you start out with, what would I be doing if I wasn't afraid? What am I afraid of? And then how do I lean into that? All right, if you do this, I want to know about it. I want to hear about it. Uh, we, we could get into a really complicated system. I actually track things. You know, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what a win looks like. This is what a loss looks like. Here's the fears. Here's the hopes. Here's what I've done on it today. Here's what I've done on it this week. Here's what I plan to do on it today and this week and all that. You can do all that. You can get into all that. I would approach that system after you've gotten good at asking yourself just these three simple questions. What is it that I'm not doing because I'm afraid? What am I afraid of? 
And what are some small steps that I can do that lean into that? Let me know how it goes for you. Uh, you can email me info at joemartino.com, info at joemartino.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.